2: Hello and welcome to a classic version of the Raptors Reaction podcast. I'm your host William Lou. Uh, I'm joined on this episode to recap the infamous win where the Raptors uh, upset the 92 win championship winning uh, Michael Jordan's Bulls with uh, one of the oldest Raptors fans I know, Zarar, How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, I didn't watch the game, so we're going
2: to recap here. Uh, If it's going
1: off my memory, then I think all I remember is Jordan missing that jumper at the end and uh, just walking off the court, uh, you know, acknowledging the loser that he is.
2: Wow. Wow. Okay. So um, first off, let's set the scene. All right. So this game took place March 24th, 1996. Uh, For me personally, I was three years old. I was living in Tianjin in China uh i don't have any recollection of anything from that day zarar where were you during this day uh i was in kansas city missouri uh because i used to live there and
1: uh obviously i um i was a raptor fan because i was moving to canada that uh that year so i had uh, started following the team because there was a new basketball team there and that was uh um, you know, I was getting ready. So, uh, Raptor games were really hard to find. But one station that used to air that uh, air Bulls games was WGN. I think they even still might might mm-hmm. do that because they had they had a contract of airing Bulls games. And this was, uh, I think uh, this I'm pretty sure this was the 72 and 10 season uh, yep. for the Bulls where they uh, where they at the time set the record for most wins. And to me, they still hold the record for most wins because the 73 and 9 by the Warriors doesn't mean shit because they lost in the finals. So you can throw that out. Erase the history books. Doesn't really matter. Uh, but this one was all about would they hit seventy wins? Uh, and I remember, uh, you know, I, I was also a Bulls fan at the time because you know I, I like Jordan and, and and all that. Uh, but I do remember watching this game on at the time WGN or whatever the the the, the Bulls station was, and uh, and and the Raptors just stuck around in this game. They were never out of it. And I think the Bulls were—I um, think they had won like nine or ten in a row coming into this one, wasn't it something like that? And I remember not so much the game, but remembering at the at season's end that we are the reason that the Bulls were held to double-digit uh, losses, because that when if we had not won that game, we would have actually they, they would have been seventy-three and nine and had single-digit losses, but because of the Raptors, it was that they came into double digits, and that was a huge accomplishment in itself for me, knowing that we put a little bit of dent in, in the Bulls' season. And I think if I go off, I, this is completely based on memory, I think the Bulls were going to finish with nine wins uh, that or nine losses that year, except they lost to Charlotte and Glenn Rice caught fire, and they lost a home game late in the season to make it uh, 10 losses. But the game itself, man. I think Jordan's, um, you know, Jordan's last shot is uh, is what I remember the most. And uh, yeah, that that that's that's the main thing. And, and and I think Kukoc had a pretty good game. If I if I if I remember, uh, Kukoc is one of my favorite players uh, growing up because he was like the first of his generation, kind of his type of player: the tall, lanky, you know, can dribble the ball, power forward type guy. Tall, uh, can shoot. Not so much a great rebounder, but could do a lot of other things. And um, he was a guy I used to always keep my eye on. I remember him having a pretty decent game. Maybe I should pull up the stats to make sure I'm not, I'm not a complete idiot, but I remember him having a decent game. Uh, and yeah, and uh, I think at the time, there was also a little bit of tension on the Bulls where um, Kukoc was getting a lot of playing time. Uh, and, uh, and Scottie Pippen was never a big fan of Kukoc, so I was always keeping an eye
2: on that uh, that dynamic as well. This is, I gotta say, incredible memory for something that happened like 26 years ago now. Or 25 years ago. But, uh, yeah. Um, t- okay, so let's set the scene. So, to say this is a, a an upset is an understatement. The Raptors, after this game, were 18-49. and This was their inaugural season. And the Bulls, after this game, were 60-8. and uh, You're absolutely correct. There was a loss later, a one-point loss later in the season to Charlotte. Uh, that dropped them to nine losses, but they also had their 10th loss, the second last game of the year, another one-point loss to the Indiana Pacers. So that's actually super impressive to me that even though this team had 10 losses, most of the 10 losses were, like, really, really close. And this one, the Raptors win 109-108. to 108. Um, Yeah, I mean, let, let's start at the end. Let's start at the end. So the Raptors, as you mentioned, were in this game. They were competing. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised, considering I just kind of, in my mind, mentally thought... Everybody on the Raptors was was trash. I I don't know why I thought this. But when I watched the game, I was like, I'm pretty impressed by pretty much everyone in the game except for Alva Robertson, who just didn't do anything. He was supposed to be the guy they put on Jordan to defend him. Jordan just torched him at the end and it was a close game. Um, basically, the Raptors were up slightly midway through the fourth quarter. And MJ at this point, and, and um, if you if you watch the Raptor broadcast, which was with a, a very, very young uh, Rod Black and a young Leo Routens on CTV, um, Leo mentions, like, uh, hey, Michael Jordan's been really, really, really quiet. Um, you know, hopefully let's not wake him up. And then all of a sudden, midway through the fourth quarter, MJ goes into that superstar mode, starts taking over. And I really wrote down a possession by possession breakdown just because of how amazing he did. But um, he went for a post up finish and one, a low post turnaround jumper, a high post turnaround jumper, a mid post turnaround jumper. He was fouled on a turnaround jumper by Alvin Robertson. He hits two free throws and then 106, 106, 31 seconds left. He gets uh, he he gets the ball on a, on the baseline and hits a turnaround jumper with three guys on him. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tracy Murray. It was Robertson was there. Christy, Doug Christie was there. And uh, I think um, yeah, Tracy Murray came in with a late contest. And MJ hit that one as well. So he had 13 points from the middle of the fourth quarter onward. And it was like, holy shit, this guy is a superstar. Um, it's unstoppable. Even watching it back, like there's no misses in that stretch. That's the crazy part. He did not miss during that stretch. MJ was so, so good. I mean, for me, I didn't watch a lot of MJ. So seeing this back and seeing it live, like, it's, it's actually true. He really is the GOAT. Yeah, Jordan was uh, I mean, what am I going to say about Jordan? Uh I mean, you know, uh,
1: but I remember the the shot that he missed against the Raptors is pretty much the same shot he made in the All-Star game that, when he came back as uh as part of the Wizards. Okay. Uh it was the game that uh that that would have won the All-Star game and give, given him the MVP, but Kobe Bryant in the All-Star game on the next possession actually drew a foul like he actually made a pump fake just to draw a foul to take away that shrine from jordan so when when jordan hit that shot in the all-star game immediately my mind back went back to this game and and i I'm, that's the same shot that he missed against the raptors so it was a weird you know 20 years apart not 20 like what am i saying like, like seven eight years apart mm-hmm. uh a scene that that kind of drew itself but, but i also remember in this game that uh, again i think you've watched it like 10 minutes ago um, <laughs> I th- I think Damon had a move where he completely shook Ron Harper, and Har- Harper fell on the ground.
2: Yep, yep. No, oh my what, what god, Damon team? Stoudemire <laughs> was a legend in this game. I mean, not as good as MJ was in this game, but definitely the second best player in the mm-hmm. game. Which is impressive, because Scottie and Kukoc and all these other great players played in it, but... Um. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, Damon, Damon was, Uh. you know, it's, we We always talk about like, you know, like what if that person had played in this era or mm-hmm. who would have stayed, like what if Tracy McGrady had stayed with the Raptors and, and paired up with Vince, what would have happened like with those are like, like right now, like uh, with the COVID thing going on, I see like, you know, I'm, I, I've been doing the morning coffees for the site and mm-hmm. like half the articles are about like, what if, what if, <laughs> but nobody really talks about like, what if Damon had actually stuck around as part of the Raptors. And actually, not bolted the next year, and and been part of the Vince score and the Tracy McGrady thing. He would have been a major compliment to those guys. But that that trajectory nobody has quite really followed because he kind of wanted out the the year after the Bulls game. Uh, but 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 that is an interesting hypothetical. Why did he want out? The team just kind of sucked, man. And okay. also, we had a re- really really bad coach. Uh, Daryl Walker was uh, the, the worst Raptors coach we've had by a stretch far worse than Kevin O'Neill was, uh, he, he, just was not, he was, he was not a player's coach or an X's and O's coach or any sort of coach. He just happened to be, I, I, I can't, I, I don't even know how he got, got into that position. I think, I think Brendan Malone left or something happened. Okay. Uh, bad coach, uh, and also a coach that kind of held grudges against young players, I remember Daryl Walker in in the middle of a season that was going nowhere. The Raptors won 16 games that year. He would not play Tracy McGrady. Okay. Tracy, like he just would not play him. Even though there was nothing to be had in that season. McGrady was a rookie. He called him lazy or something like that. Did not understand players. Like, McGrady was one of the first high school players to come out. You know, second or third maybe. And Walker just did not know how to manage him. And I can imagine that probably like you know, suffocated the locker room and it had all kinds of, like, bad chemistry there. So I can understand Damon not wanting to be a part of it, and, and then he got shipped to Portland. So at the time, I don't think anybody blamed... Well, anybody. There, there weren't that many Raptor fans around, but all eight Raptor
2: fans did not blame Damon <laughs> Sotomayor for uh, leaving the Raptors uh, at the time. Yeah, I mean... um this is something that has come up with uh with with now the jordan doc coming out and even just in the first two episodes the kind of decisions and how open people the players were in terms of just their problems with the teams and of course just like the teams just seemed way more comically dysfunctional back then than they were now mm-hmm. it's like why would the gm start to get into a beef with phil jackson all people and then sign them to a one-year yeah. deal you don't see any coaches signed to one-year deals anymore um I mean, I mean there's
1: there's a classic line from uh, Jerry, oh, was it Reinsdorf for Krause who goes, uh, you know, uh, organizations win championships, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, yep. uh, not players. And, and Jordan threw that back at him. I think uh, when he had after the flu game, he goes, "Yeah, I didn't see the organization out there guarding uh, whoever." <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely uh, more more open and more uh, whatever. But but can you imagine like if we had the exposure that like Twitter and all, social media brings oh, us man. at the time? uh when i when i kind of pulled that thread in my head a little bit like what would have happened if we had twitter back then and i think uh, people would have watched what they said more mm, and we would probably. not have been as open as 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 open um when this jordan doc came out man i was actually shocked that jordan allowed this to even be recorded at the time he he must have like Put like all kinds of conditions that I got to approve every single second that goes on if, you, if you're if you going to release this stuff.
2: So the fact that we're able to record it is, is in itself a, a feat. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I hope Jordan got a lot of money out of this thing because th- this thing is all people are talking about. And to your point about social media, like this is why and we'll get back to this game in a second. The Raptors really had an incredible win, but um, this is part par- like partially why the doc is so successful is. Um, because there was no social media at the time, all these stories getting presented in real time, it's been really fun just to follow along and see the jokes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think, to me, honestly, one thing that kind of stood out was, like, Scotty seemed, like, not sensitive to things, but just, like, perceptive in a way that almost reminded me of KD, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, KD in the modern era, you know, uh, making burner accounts, stuff like that. I, I feel like Scotty might have made burner accounts just based on his, you know, portrayal uh, That's
1: so far. A, that's, that's interesting. So, uh, Scotty was... Um... Oh, man, Scott Scotty's an interesting because he was severely underpaid. Oh, uh, it was, nice. it was I, I, criminal. Criminal. I haven't watched. I haven't watched the first two episodes. I'm gonna binge watch them all this weekend because uh, I actually found eight episodes online. So oh, that's man, that's on. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Scotty was tremendously underpaid. Uh, Jerry Krause did not renegotiate his contract, even though it was very evident that he was underpaid. Uh, and th- it's not like the Bulls didn't have money or didn't have like, quote unquote, cap space or th- he, he just didn't want to renegotiate his deal. It, mm-hmm. it was simple as that. And um, so when Scotty went to Houston, uh, was it Houston? Yeah, Houston he went to after he, 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 le- he left the Bulls. So uh, I was happy that he got some of his money back. Uh, would he have created burner accounts? That's an interesting one. I don't think Scotty was the type of person that would have done that because he had the uh i think he had more balls in him that people gave him credit for okay when jordan left he could have easily bolted and gone to some other team where he could have maybe wanted maybe you know you know at at that time players didn't just leave teams and you know start own. but he but he had the opportunity to do that he didn't do that he stuck around he he stayed with the Bulls. Uh, i think he signed his deal and he wanted to be number one. So he it's not like he shied away from confrontation or pressure or anything like that. He wanted to be part of it. Did Scott—the the one unanswered question that I always had is that, did it bother Scotty that he didn't get the attention that Jordan did? Or, or did he not get the attention that he thought he deserved? If it did, I don't know if it ever reflected on the court in his play. The only moment that I that I that I can think of where I was like, man, Scotty, you cannot possibly do that, is when when Jordan was retired, Mm -hmm. and the Bulls were playing the Knicks in the playoff series. The Bulls were down one, and uh, Scotty and Ku coach were there, uh, and Phil Jackson drew the final play up um, for Ku coach and asked Scotty to be the decoy, Mm -hmm. and Scotty refused to get off the bench, like he wouldn't get into the game. Uh and that that was a big moment on, you know, national TV and like, what the hell is Pippen doing? That's not leadership. It did not help that Kukoc hit the fadeaway game winner as time expired yep. to beat the Knicks. Um so that was my main Scotty moment of like, man, what are you doing? Other than that, man, I I, I do not have any complaints about Scotty. Okay, okay. To
2: be fair, I've only seen two episodes of this Jordan Doc, so I don't really know that much about Scotty. All right, back to this game. So, um, the ending of this game. So, I mentioned that MJ was going nuts. He had 13 points in about a five-minute span, all on ridiculously difficult turnaround jumpers, making shot after shot. And, um, you know, it looked like he was destined to to win this game. And And the history here is that the Raptors actually hosted Chicago... Uh, earlier that season, and it was a very close game that one too, but the Bulls won 92-89, to 89, MJ has 38, and apparently he scored a bunch of clutch baskets to win the game that time. So it seemed like the same script was playing out, except even after MJ put the Bulls up two with 31 seconds left, the Raptors, uh, shout out Brendan Malone, great play, he draws up a curl for Tracy Murray, Um, coming basically from the top of the floor down to the baseline off a couple of screens. And I guess the Bulls must have miscommunicated because uh, Murray is able to get the inbound pass and immediately tie the game with a layup. So not only was it a great play to tie the game, but it actually gave the Raptors a two-for-one opportunity where they get the ball back. Now, everyone knew that the ball was going to go to MJ, and, and MJ did get the ball he he brought the ball up the floor. He was going to attack. He was going to score. It was going to be game over, and people were going to be you know, I mean, actually, people are probably pretty happy to see a game uh, MJ game winner, except, um, Oliver Miller was able to recover after MJ beat Doug Christie on a spin move, completely beat him, and Oliver Miller ends up blocking MJ at the rim, kind of from behind, but still blocked him mm-hmm. at the rim, collected the rebound, and then MJ, out of frustration, fouled. Uh, Well, not even frustration. There was no time left on the shot clock. But it was a tie game. But it was a mistake. Uh, He fouls Oliver Miller. He goes to the free throw line. Splits one or two free throws. And then, you know, the Bulls had the last possession. MJ has a chance to win it. To be honest, the Raptors kind of swarmed it. Uh, they forced the ball out of his hands. It went to Scotty. He passed it to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr had a semi-open look. Pretty deep three. He missed it. And... Um, and as you mentioned, MJ collects the ball right after the buzzer sounded. He gets the offensive rebound and hits this turnaround bank shot from the baseline uh, that somehow falls in. But it was like maybe a second after the uh, the game had ended. So, um, first off, what, uh-huh. what, what, what are we going to say? No, 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 First off, what? Let, let, let's oh. hear this because I'm waiting for this first off now. F- first off, how, how talented and how good was Oliver Miller? Because I watched this game in complete awe of this man. No, ego was not very good, man.
1: He, he was just big. He was just big and round, uh, and he reminded me of um, Monty Scott, who I play basketball with in my uh, Monday night league sometimes. Uh, who just has he's just round and has a uh, basically girth around him, so he clears out space just by existing, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. allows him to get some rebounds. I think that was uh, Oliver Miller's main strength. I don't. I don't think he was. Um, uh, he, he was a tremendous player. Uh, I, I thought Reggie Slater was a was a much, much better player than uh, Oliver Miller was. And I think Regis Lator who was, uh, I, I don't know if he played in this game or not, but... Um, he must have been he, he sidelined. Was like, he was, yeah, yeah, only he seven have, players played. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, playoff rotation for this one, for the Raptors. Mm. Uh, but uh, but a couple of things you mentioned there, right? Uh, one, one, one thing you said was like um, uh, difficult shots by Jordan. Those aren't difficult shots. That's That's Jordan's patented move. At that time, he I think he I mean the fadeaway obviously existed well before him, but when he came out in uh, post retirement, he made the fadeaway an actual go-to move that future players like Kobe built their game around. Mm. So even though it may look like a difficult shot for us or, or when you're looking at it, he's fading away, he's sometimes on one leg, that was his bread and butter. Like that that's that's a shot that you don't want to give Jordan almost uh, in, in that era. So so to him, it was, it was what the shot that he wanted. Hmm. And the second thing you said was like the, the first game against the Bulls. How the Raptors always uh, also played them close in that one. If that Bulls team or, or that second era Bulls team had a weakness, it was that they didn't have uh, B.J. Armstrong or, 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 or a you know a, a above average point guard uh, to run the show. Because um, in, in, in their first three-peat, they had B.J. Armstrong who, uh, who ran the point. In in their second iteration, they did not have that, and they also they relied on Ron Harper, uh, who was not as quick, who could not really shoot, mm-hmm. who was a decent defensive player, but had a lot of trouble against quicker point guards. Yeah. So if 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 you watch if you watch any Bulls game in that era, you'll you'll find that opposing point guards really really gave them a lot of trouble. And Damon was that. Damon gave Ron Harper a lot of trouble, which forced help from a lot of different places, and, and it threw the Bulls off. It's not just limited to Damon. Any Bulls game in that era, small, quick point guards, were the ones that gave him the most trouble.
2: Hmm. And, and, you know, this is something uh, that threw me off, too. I, I thought it was mostly a sign of respect, but the, the Bulls actually opened the game with Michael Jordan guarding Damon Stoudemire. And that was the only time Damon <laughs> wasn't really scoring. Um, mm-hmm. And but, I didn't know that. I don't know. That. Yeah, throughout the course of the game, it was Ron Harper that got most of the assignment. He looked really old. Um, I think he yeah. was in his mid-30s at this point, which uh, back then was just meant you were just done. Um, and then off the bench, it was Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr had an amazing game shooting-wise, but Steve Kerr is not a defender whatsoever. And it was actually funny just to see, A, how small Damon Miller, uh, Damon sidemar was, but... Um, just also uh how small Steve Kerr was. I-, I can't believe Steve Kerr was as successful as he was at that size because it just seems like he's such a clear defensive liability, but he's part of so many championship teams not just as a coach but as a player um and and yeah, he just seemed like a huge defensive liability but okay, so Oliver Miller he's not he's not an amazing player this is this is really. Again, I've only seen one game from this season, so uh, to me... No,
1: Oliver Miller is not an amazing player. <laughs> yeah. You can put that on the record here, and I can confirm that for you. Oliver Miller was a... I mean, given the nature of the team, uh-huh. he was basically an expansion player. Okay. Uh, I, 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 If I look at that roster, um, and I... I'm, so I think you sent me a link while we were talking. Um, I think at the time, our best player obviously was David Stoudemire, and then there were some hopes... That uh, Carlos Rogers would develop into something uh-huh. more, right? He he, w- he was the guy uh, that 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 may have had a higher ceiling than what it turned out to be. So uh, a, a lot he I'm, I'm trying to think of like a like a um, like a Raptors comparison, like like a small forward who or a small slash power forward who we maybe had high hopes for who didn't really quite pan out. Mm. Um, he, he was that type of player. And then the the, the other consistent dude on that team. Uh, was Tracy Murray, who was a scorer.
2: Right, right. He was good enough. And
1: uh, he, 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 Murray was generally a decent player in, in most games he played, I, I always thought. And then also, also Doug Christie was, uh, what was our, I think I'd say our second or third best player after that.
2: Yeah, well, not, not Oliver Miller. Okay, well, this must have been a career game for Oliver Miller because he has 14 points, 12 rebounds, including six offensive, five assists, two steals, and a block, the game winning block, really, on MJ. Um, yeah, I just you know I because you know I I heard the jokes about him and yeah I mean you know he was like just you don't see players of his size his archetype anymore in the NBA they're pretty much just like all the big men nowadays are all pretty skinny. Um, his, his archetype? Did you say all the Oliver Miller archetype?
1: Yeah, how the many? Oliver, <laughs> Oliver Miller archetype is found at your local McDonald's, not on an NBA court. Yeah, I mean pretty much. Um, but you know what though, because hey. A fun fact about Oliver Miller uh, uh, was sentenced to jail for pissing somebody.
2: Okay. All right. Well. Um, yeah. Okay. Again, like just like 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 I said earlier, '90s basketball just was wilder than it is today, by far. Um, so, okay, a couple things. Oliver Miller, I, I thought pretty good passer. Uh, had some really nice big to big passes. Um, even had some passes from the perimeter, which was I think pretty rare for big men uh, back then just to be even on the perimeter. Uh throughout the course of the game, Leo Round says Oliver Miller's been averaging 11, eleven, ten, and eight assists over his last three games. And I'm thinking, what? Who is this man? Uh he yeah, also had yeah. great end to end inbound passes, you know, like the the uh the Kevin Love kind of passes or whatever, but he since he was so strong, like he could just it was like effortless for him to just throw the ball like the whole length of the floor. And despite him at his size, he could still dunk. And he was going to fight Bill Wennington at some point too. Like mm-hmm. great Canadian game. Bill. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I
1: mean, it, 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 it's a, it's a it's a good game, and I and I think. Um, did did John Sally play in this game he did. for the Bulls mm-hmm. for, for the for the Bulls, right? Did didn't John Sally play for the Raptors at some point or no? He did. I, am, am I am I
2: losing my mind here? Well, I mean, I don't remember this, but in the broadcast they mentioned that John Sally was a rotation player for the Raptors early on cuz he got expansion drafted to the team. Then he got benched, and then he got really upset, forced his way out of the team, and then he went to the Bulls. And I right, didn't, right, I, right, I didn't right. think he was that good in this game. He just no, seemed no. like a hustle guy, which is kind of how I remember John Sally, but um but, you know, really, everyone in the Raptors, and this is why the Raptors won, because they needed everyone to be good, but uh, everyone on the Raptors did really well. Um, going back to David Stoudemire, 30 points, 4 rebounds, 11 assists. He's definitely the first star of this game. He played 46 <laughs> out of 48 minutes, which, again, just doesn't, minutes. doesn't happen in the NBA nowadays. Um, I didn't know David Stoudemire was such a good shooter. Six of eight from three. Like, a lot of just pull-up threes and big ones to stop momentum. Uh, he's yeah, very skilled. Yeah, man, he... he, he... Very, very,
1: very good pull-up game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the the the, when he when he sent uh, Harper to the floor, it was a it was a pull-up move again. Right. Uh, Good in transition too. I think he had the ability to kind of like it's kind of like what Kyle Lowry does sometimes. Like you know, like he like pull up from a little bit deeper than uh, than you think, and he'll he'll drain it. Uh, Damon had that in him too. Also a good spot-up shooter Mm -hmm. and good finish. Just a good, good point guard. Um, uh, at the same time, he just loves smoking weed. Just, just loved smoking weed. Just, Just loved it. And uh, you know, which is great. I mean, good for him, and I mean, a lot of benefits to that. Uh-huh. But you know, he can't have interfere that with the basketball thing, right? So that's right. what that's what happened to him in Portland.
2: Well, I mean, listen, uh, I've been to Portland, and um, it's it's good out there. Um, so, uh, Damon Sauter, yeah, he won Rookie of the Year this year. Uh, Nineteen points, nine point three assists per game, four rebounds as a rookie. Shot it pretty efficiently too. So. Uh, That's really impressive. I thought he was amazing in this one. Definitely a lot of highlights. He's number one star. I've already talked about Oliver Miller. He's the second star for me just because of the clutch plays he made. He also hit the uh, game-winning free throw as well. But really, some of these other guys. So Carlos Rogers, he wasn't good cuz he looked really good in this one like really No he athletic. was he
1: was he was good. He was good. Like, okay. Like he, uh, for, for sure he he was like an athletic uh, yeah, yeah. never had a great jumper but who had a great jumper at that time it was more of a, it was more of a slashing game. For sure yeah. a decent player. Uh, enjoyed watching him. Uh, again as i said like he was one of the guys that uh, that we kind of uh, hoped would turn into like something great or not something great something half decent. Um but but about Damon Stoudemire, did you know that uh, when the Raptors drafted him um there were there was a chorus of boos because uh a lot of fans wanted to draft uh, Ed O'Bannon from uh UCLA
2: I did not know this
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that that was a big uh, uh, you know it, that, that was a JV Kemba Walker decision
2: oh, of that man. era <laughs> it was the Ed O'Bannon and uh, uh and Damon yeah i mean was was Ed O'Bannon any good cuz I, I i know him now for the NCAA lawsuits and that's very cool that he's decided to head that up and it's unfortunate that he got exploited that way, but it was he good as an NBA player? No, I think th- I think he
1: stuck around for maybe one or two years. No, oh, okay. he was he didn't make. it. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. If, if that, I, I don't even remember that. But I, he's he's a, he's a foggy memory on, on on an NBA box score somewhere.
2: Okay. Um. Yeah, Carlos Rogers. I thought it was interesting. I mean, he started the game by picking off a pass by MJ. And then going the other way and uh, throwing down a dunk. He had multiple dunks in this one. Had some, like, Marc gasol bounce passes uh, that I really was not expecting. He blocked Tony Kukoc at the rim. Um, And honestly, it felt like... Because he kind of just, like, stopped playing in the game. Because he was really one of the Raptors' best players in the first half. But in the second half, he didn't really factor in. He had a couple of fouls. And really, uh, John Tabak really took over in the second... And and we can talk about that. Yes.
1: Can we talk about Zan Tabak a little bit? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, b- b- because Zan Tabak uh, had a. I'm not, now I'm looking at the box score finally 6 or 11 for 12 points. Uh-huh. And Zan Tabak had, had a very uncanny skill. Okay. And uh, his skill was that when he uh, sh- tried to shoot the ball, everybody froze. Because they did not expect Zan Tabak to shoot, let alone make the shot. Okay. So anytime he took like a face up jumper. Everybody kind of held their breath because it was so, like, untoward or so odd that this guy was even shooting that everybody kind of just paused. I, I'm, I'm talking about the fans here, not the players. Maybe uh-huh. even the players. Who knows? Uh, and I, I, I was a half-decent Zantabak, uh fan. In fact, there were a bunch of blogs early on uh, called—one of the blogs was called the Zantabak Herald. Okay. And the Zantabak Herald chronicled uh, Zantabak's game. I, I tried to find it right now, but I, I, I can't seem to get it. But yeah, Zantabak was a bit of a cult hero mm. uh, at the time, far more than Carlos Rogers. Carlos Rogers was more the, if you will, the media darling who the Raptors want you to follow. But Zantabak, Zantabak had its own uh, his his own following. Uh, he was a master of the dark arts.
2: Okay, um, yeah. The only other thing I was gonna say about. Carlos Rogers before going on Zantebach was it felt like did he have anger issues like did he was he just like a very petulant player because it felt like he was pouting a lot in this game and the the broadcast mic was also really good so you can hear a lot of uh, sideline conversations so he swore quite a bit which was really picked up I'm not really sure about this did he was he a petulant player no I I I wouldn't I wouldn't I mean my my, my,
1: this is like years back but I don't remember him being uh, petulant I remember him being a little bit lazy on the defensive side, mm. um, okay. I, I think that, that might be the, the main criticism of uh, of of Rogers I had, and I think sometimes the the, the franchise had kind of built him to be, you know, like a leading player, and he wasn't. So maybe mm. that kind of got to his head a little bit. But at the end of the day, uh, well, we're talking about very very average NBA players who. Uh, you know, would not be starting on most other teams, and here you are on an expansion team, and you have a bit of a light. So, you know, that's that.
2: That's just how it goes. All right. Well, um, well, his counterpart and his backup um, power forward Zontabak. Uh, first off, really good hook shot. Uh, definitely. I. I, I mean, I only watched them in this game, but uh, he, every single time he got the ball, he would fake left and then go up with the right hook. It was almost JV esque. Very mm. predictable in that front. But um, surprisingly good with it because he's so tall that uh, he could kind of lean in, and he had some soft touch. Uh, he also came up with some very clutch baskets in the fourth quarter, just like some garbage time, like um, not not just garbage buckets, like hustle and stuff like that. Uh, and it was also interesting because he was Croatian, Ku coach was Croatian, so there's a bit of a battle there between the two of them. I would say they actually kind of went even, which is a, a win for the Raptors. Um, mm. And then really the only two guys, I mean Tracy Murray, we talked about. I mean he was he was a good scorer. I didn't really see that much out of him today or in this game. But um, the last guy I want to talk about was uh, was was Doug Christie, who mm-hmm. I was surprised why was he coming off the bench. He he seemed really good. I, yeah, I, when I look at the box score now, it, it is kind
1: of weird why he's coming off the bench because uh, not only would you start him, but you would also put uh, him on Jordan. Yes, uh, because yeah. he he was our best uh, wing for not just this year, but for for a number of years. I think he was. Or I, th- I think he got traded. What two years after? The next year or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but he he was always our best backcourt defensive player. So I would have totally expected uh, him to guard Jordan, and th- I'm pretty sure he did for for a majority of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, D- D- Doug was solid. He developed a good three point shot in his uh, in his last year with the Raptors. I think he eventually got shipped to Sacramento. Maybe. Yep. Yep. Uh, and 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 I, I think the, uh, <laughs> the thing with Doug was that. Uh, uh, he, he had like, he was the only guy who was kind of known a little bit off the court at the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've, I've heard he, he, he was, yeah, because he, he, his wife used to own him. Right. Like right. he he jumped as high as he, he what, what's that saying? They you know you jump, you say how high or whatever. Yeah, yeah. His wife absolutely owned him. Uh, and, uh, I think they moved to Sacramento because she one day decided that, you know, like she's done with this and, and Doug had no choice and there you go all right yeah the the rappers have had uh, a a bunch of uh, uh powerful uh, wives i think antonio davis uh kendra davis comes to mind uh you okay. remember
2: her no, no? you don't no. remember that no this oh, is, oh this, and... this is why the the classic reaction podcast is gonna work great because i haven't watched like half the raptor seasons at least so there's a lot yeah, of and... like learning and stuff this is good yeah so so antonio his wife
1: uh, thought she had a broadcast career in, in Toronto, and she wanted to be a media personality. Okay. Um, this is again pre-Twitter and all that, and th- that was one of the, like I think one of the, one of the reasons that he agreed to come to Toronto was was that, uh, and maybe I think even resigned here, and it was one of those things, uh, but it never really happened. The Raptors even I think gave her some sort of a show or some sort of a some spot somewhere to to make her way but it did not happen mm. and it, it did not help that she also got into it with a lot of the fans and while she was at the game and it yeah. was just a mess and, and and then eventually like uh Davis left.
2: Right. I all I remember from Antonio Davis I mean aside from like watching highlight clips or stuff like that was like he I, he gave a quote where he said he didn't want his kids to be learning the metric system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like come on. What kind of yeah. reason is that? I mean, I mean, so, so yeah. oh God, yeah, how do the man. Raptors it, have all these problems? I don't understand. This is such unprofessional things to like conduct the players and stuff like that with. How do you even you stand see, it like, as a fan?
1: Like that kind of like like that kind of mentality just bugs me, right? It it, it just speaks of like just ignorance, right? So that's why when when when, I, when I, about a few months ago that uh, Chris Bosch interview came out with some podcast somewhere, and he's complaining about, hey man, you know, like it takes you like. 15 minutes in customs every time and you multiply that by like 41 and that's like, I don't know, man, that's like eight, four hours. Can you imagine four hours? And I'm like, no, shut up, man. Just shut up.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, like, first off, it doesn't even take 15 minutes, man. They just yeah, sign a paper what, on their way yeah. off the plane. Just, yeah, well,
1: are you going in the wrong line? The machine's got a problem? You're not taking the picture right? Like, something's wrong with them.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, no, it takes a very long time for that uh, that, that picture taker, that Pearson, to reach up to six eleven. That's, that's well, most sh- of Shout the waiting. out to Pearson...
1: Uh, for for streamlining some of that process at the at, at the airport, it's it's mostly digital now. So uh, yeah. kudos to them. Yeah.
2: All right. I oh, well, got a quick shout out. Okay. Cool. So in a uh, in classic reaction podcast uh, fashion, I got to give out uh, three stars and uh, Gerald Henderson award. So the uh, the first star obviously is Damian Sotomayor. Thirty points, eleven assists, four rebounds, uh, eleven of twenty one shooting, six of eight from three. Really some great highlights from this one. It was very impressive. I think this at the time for him was a career high. Um, Second star, I'm giving that to Oliver Miller. Uh, Zorari, you have no say in this. 14 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, a block. Mm-hmm. If you block MJ and then hit the game-winning free throw, I don't yeah. care uh, what presentation you come in. Big shout out Oliver mm-hmm. Miller. Third star, mm-hmm. now that you have the box score, you want to pick a third star from this game? Well, who was guarding MJ on that last shot? Uh, I think it was a lot of Alvin Robertson or Doug Christie.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to – so my, my my third star was going to be a guard who was guarding. And I, and I think it was it was a double uh, at the time. And I think Christie was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Doug Christie because okay. uh he was also 3-for-3 three three in this game, a very efficient game. Uh, and I remember him just guarding Jordan for, for a bunch of it. So even though Jordan had like what? I don't know. How many did he have here? 30? 30
2: 36. 36
1: 46, points. Jeez. Hey, man, you know, that's That's containment.
2: I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Oh man, MJ was so good. It was nuts. Like it, it's like every time he got the ball, it was inevitable. Yeah. He was gonna score. Like he didn't really have misses. Like unless you really rushed the shot, doubled him, and then he forced one. Like he was not gonna miss. It, it's kind of un. It's kind of scary. And it also reminded me a little bit of like, um, it was LeBron esque in a way, just because you know, in this is MJ and his. But, older years or something like that he didn't really go all out didn't really impose himself he just picked and chose his spots but every time he picked his spots he would score except for when he missed against oliver miller jordan was a man i mean what what there's nothing
1: to say about him uh i, I think you all you also i think you appreciated jordan a lot because he was a guy who who changed his game midway through his career mm-hmm. uh, as he got older I think and I think that's something that you have to respect in in, in a lot of players, right? And a, a lot of the great ones will change their game because the defense adjusts, they get older, they lose some of their physical ability. But to remain dominant despite age and despite you know the competition knowing exactly what you what, what what they expect is pretty impressive. It's like uh, so it, like I, I kind of make a comparison to like Tiger Woods, mm. similar okay. but 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 a little different because because Tiger, he was at the top of his game and he decided midway through his when he was winning masters and everything else to actually change his drive completely like he actually went back to the basics because he goes if if i want to win like 10 more masters or whatever it is i need to change how i this major facet of my game which is already significantly above average but how do i make it amazing and he basically destroyed his drive went back to the basics and reinvented himself midway through his career And Jordan, in that baseball time, came back and reinvented how he was going to dominate. Like, you you see players reinvent themselves, but it's rare that you see players reinvent themselves and dominate with their reinvention. Like, completely dominating the the league in two different, not eras, but, like, two different types of styles of play, at least, right? The, The first was the electric Jordan, like, you know, like, dunking and driving by people and just, like, making a fool out of Craig Elo every other year. And then you had this Jordan, which was, like, much more suave, much more fadeaway, much more calm, uh, more on the, you know, a much better passer, I think higher EQ. So I think that's, what's, uh, that's what stands
2: out about Jordan. Right. Um, the Gerald Henderson Award for the random player that lit up the Raptors. I got to go with Steve Kerr here. Obviously, Steve Kerr is uh, a very good player. Um, they mentioned in the broadcast that Steve Kerr for that season during that time of the game. Was shooting, uh, fifty-one percent from three, fifty percent from the field, and ninety percent from this uh, from the uh, three-point line. Uh, that season, he finished, uh, fifty-one percent from the field, fifty-two percent from three, and ninety-three percent from the free throw line. So that's incredible. But yeah, Steve Kerr checked in and started just taking every single shot and hit. Uh, 7 of 10, including 3 of 6 from 3 for 17 points. The only shot he missed was the semi-open shot that would have sank the Raptors um, at the end there. But Steve Kerr, uh, really good player.
1: So so, so you – no, I'm going to go with Tony Kukoc uh, because I like Tony Kukoc. uh, uh, But but, uh, but, but for Steve Kerr, did any of his shots – were they were they all like both feet on the ground set shots with somebody passing him the ball, or did he actually venture and actually do
2: something to somewhat maybe sorta of create his own shot? Well I'm asking. You know what it's good that you asked that because obviously a lot of them were catch and shoot opportunities and you know, the Bulls actually what really impressed me too was they had MJ, they had Scotty, they had Ku Coach. All three of those guys can make a play and and handle it and draw extra attention. And so if you had shooters around them, it was just incredible. But um, and, you know, once Steve got really hot, like he would able, he was able to like dribble past up against a tough closeout and, and really hit a contested shot. He had a couple of contested shots in this one, in the two point area that were uh, really impressive for me. So I don't know, I, Steve was, it was, it was, it was Steve a good was game. good. Uh, the, the guy the, the,
1: when it when it came to shooters uh, in, in that era, Steve, I mean, again, I was a Bulls fan. I mean, I I I I, I love Steve Kerr, love his game one winner against the Sonics and all that, or Jazz, or whatever it was. Um, what I, but in terms of like what do, did I enjoy watching Steve Kerr? Not so much. I mean, I, I he wouldn't he wouldn't be a guy that I would like enjoy watching. The two shooters that I always loved watching in in that era, one was Del Curry. Okay, because Del Curry did not need to be balanced to get a shot off. Like he did not. Eat, the only thing that Del Curry needed. Um, was his elbows facing the right direction. And that's it. His body could be completely contorted and he would be able to hit that shot, whether it's a leaner, whether it's a catch and shoot. He was basically Rip Hamilton, except not as maybe sophisticated in his movements, but very much able to pull up in transition, take weird shots and still make them under pressure, an amazing shooter, great form, blah, blah, blah. The other guy that I used to like was the rifleman, man, Chuck Person. <laughs> uh who um uh who was pretty good and also Dale Ellis in that era Seattle Sonics mm. another guy who used to like shoot it up from the corner um and also one more shout out to a shooter not in this game but Alan Houston man okay uh, I still believe Alan Houston had the best
2: looking jumper I have ever seen to date. Okay. Um but you know honestly the three point shot in this era really didn't feel like that much of a weapon. Like I actually really enjoyed watching this game um, just for the creative ways, people would try to attack the basket. Like it was always attack the basket first and foremost. Like I think Steve Kerr pulled up for three in transition one time. Um, and that was unique, but that was Steve Kerr and he was shooting 50% from three, but like the bulls only took 18 threes, but the Raptors, despite hitting 11 of 17, only, you know, they only took 17 threes. Um, yeah, like, yeah, it, it was hey. nice to see people just like constantly run like baseline action, get low post position, big to big passing, uh, You know, a lot of physical play, things like that. I also kind of enjoyed the way it was officiated, too, just because, like, they didn't feel like as many stoppages as there are today. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't just, like, petty stuff like, oh, he grabbed them or whatever. It was just kind of like, whatever, play through it. If it's flagrant, then we'll call it, but, you know. For sure, I mean,
1: I think, I think, for I think the East ha, ha, has always been even, even well, not so much in, in today's day and age, but the East has always been. Uh, I'd say the more physical, slower conference as, as as long as I've been watching basketball. I think if you go Bulls Knicks or, or any Bulls series, Bulls Heat Heat Knicks, it's always mm-hmm. been the slower type of uh, half court game, and and I enjoyed it. I, and I think the and and the refs at the time, credit to them, they they let a lot of things go. Um, I said credit to them, but I, I don't know if that's a credit to them or whatever. But I, I certainly enjoyed that slower pace of basketball uh, with with less threes. But but that's what made threes special. That's what made a guy like Tony Kukoc so special because he 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 did bring a dimension which though today is common at the time was considered like completely different. Like he was a, he was a player that I think the only like like similar comparisons to Tony Kukoc at the time were guys like Sam Perkins, Sleepy Sam Perkins. He uh, okay. used to have this like catapult shot. Played for the Pacers for a bit, I think the Sonics as well, uh, and there were maybe like two or three guys in the league that could do that, you know. And uh, that's what made the three-point shot so
2: special because when it did go in, it was like a big deal. Hmm. What's uh, what's Tony Kukoc's 2020 NBA NBA comparison? I don't know. Everybody. <laughs> oh, Okay. <Fair laughs> I mean, literally, like, uh, I
1: mean, you 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 can find.
2: Uh, uh, I don't know, man. Um, like, if I said he's, I mean, if I said he's yeah. uh, a, a Hedo Turkoglu with some real playoff wins, is that is that an insult? Yes, that's a massive insult. Okay, all right. I, that, take, I, mean, that he, I take that back.
1: Hedo, he, he, at the end of the day, had like you know a, a couple of good years. And Kukoc was fairly consistent for a while. Okay. And Kukoc also had a pretty decent post-up game when he ended up in Milwaukee later on. So I think he uh Kuk. <laughs> Coach was one of the people who maybe got shadowed because of or overshadowed because of the of the team he was in.
2: Okay, interesting. Well, this is a uh, this has been great. This is the first episode of the classic Raptors Reaction Podcast or Raptors Reaction Podcast Classic. I'm not really sure which one sounds better. Um, yeah, if uh, I have plans to do game seven, the original game seven against Philly um, next week. So you can Mm -hmm. listen for that. Uh, But if listeners, if you have a game that you would like to have me review or watch, um, please let me know, please direct message me on Twitter or just at me on Twitter uh, at William underscore Lou. And um, yeah, I will try my best to find footage to be honest, finding old footage is incredibly difficult. The League pass database only goes back to the 12, 13 season so uh, that's the stuff that's easily accessible. Beyond that, it's going to be a little tough to find uh, full footage. But I will do my best. Um, I, I I got one for you. I mean, you, you, you
1: can celebrate. You, you can celebrate the wins. Game seven, obviously, Philly is a, is a big one. Game five against the Knicks is a massive one. Um, but if you want to go on the other, the darker side of the spectrum, will
2: what game seven's not last... dark enough
1: against Philly? Oh man! Well, it's it, we're still in the playoffs. We're still okay. like doing things, right? I mean, okay. go to. The season after our second season, uh, the last game of the of the season is against Philadelphia at home. Uh, the Raptors at this point have drafted Marcus Camby, um, and they finished the season with 16 wins. The last game against Philly at home, Iverson has a massive, massive game, okay. including throwing down an insane dunk, which you can probably find on YouTube still, over Marcus Camby um, on, on a rebound. And I think I've probably mentioned this on the podcast a couple times, but... And that game ended at the old Maple Leaf Gardens because the Sky had an event or whatever. What? And then Glenn Grunwald came. Yeah, yeah. And Glenn Grunwald came uh, on the Glenn Grunwald came on the floor. No, no, no. Glenn, right. Glenn Grunwald came to the floor with a mic in his hand, and he apologized to the fans <laughs> for the product that was on the pitch. Oh my uh, God! I doubt you can find that speech. And that speech, man always made me respect uh, grunwald uh because he acknowledged what the product was and and he, and he made some moves to fix it
2: you know i have i've i've talked to grunwald a couple times so i might have just to call him for this <laughs> oh yeah he will 100 percent remember this one okay all right thank you Zrar, for doing this uh what do you want to plug what do you want to shout out wrapped as a public of course uh no i got nothing to plug okay all right good cool all right, well, that does it for the podcast. Thanks everyone for, for listening. Uh, and yeah, so uh, if you have any more classic uh, Raptor game suggestions, uh, please let me know. And uh, yeah, thanks again to Zarar for coming on the podcast. See you, man.